Welcome to ALM Studios Audio Experience. You're listening to Oleg Show, creative podcast for creative people. I'm your host, Oleg Smith. Tune in and let's rock and roll. On today's episode... Well, if shit is too easy, then you're not fighting for it. And I think the magic happens when artists fight for what they want. On today's show, I'm privileged to welcome a very special guest. Nifty Gateway featured digital artist, art director, 3D illustrator specializing on dark visuals and decorative art based out of Edinburgh, Scotland, UK, Bill Ellis. Born in Greece, he grew up on the soil of a thousand-year-old ancient civilization surrounded by classical pagan Hellenistic Orthodox Christian and contemporary graffiti street art, which later would lay the foundation of his unique personal style through the blend of the three. After moving to the UK, while studying multimedia and production, digital art and technology at Plymouth University, he got introduced to the world of new media, 3D digital art and started learning Blender and Cinema 4D, searching for his personal style, yet undervalued by the conventional physical art galleries and dealerships, underpaid by the ad agency world. He focused on his own work and created 50 Skulls project inspired by ancient history and cultures, which would pave the way to his international fame and formation of Bill Alice, the digital artist we know today. He has collaborated with many brands including Formula One, Red Bull, Nike, Coca-Cola, Apple, Xbox, PlayStation, Netflix, McLaren, Ken Lyons, Lionsgate, just to name a few. His artworks are commissioned by legendary gaming franchises like Diablo, Mortal Kombat, Hollywood film productions like John Wick, music industry legends Ozzy Osbourne, Apache, Warner and Sony Music and many others. His personal NFT collections Brides of Lucifer, Relics of Mortal Past and In Memoriam are the quintessence of his personal style, bold contrasts and colors, complex machinery and macabre with a hyper-real and futuristic quality. Today he is a world-renowned 3D illustrator and digital artist whose works command respect to digital art as an independent art form. He creates book covers for best-selling authors, his name appears in the credits of Hollywood productions, his artworks sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars on popular NFT digital art platforms like Nifty Gateways and others. Bill Ellis, welcome to the show, it's an honor to have you. Hello, thank you, nice to be here. Uh, you know, I was excited uh, to have you on this podcast ever since I first discovered your artworks. And, uh, you know, growing up as a kid, I would read a lot of uh, myths of ancient Greece. And uh, as soon as I saw your works, I had this instant connection and I fell in love with you as an artist. Um, mainly through your second uh, NFT collection, The Relics of the Mortal Past. And after listening to your interviews and hearing you uh, speaking and sharing your story, I uh, fell in love with you as a digital a director, uh, art director, creative, and just a human being. And so yes, um, uh, today I would really like to dive into uh, aspects of your um, creative journey, artistic journey, but also tackle some uh, entrepreneurial questions and uh, also art-related things. Because yeah. I think that your example, uh, your blueprint in digital art space is very inspiring. And I'm pretty sure that many, many young artists out there can learn a lot uh, from you. Cheers. So my first question is basically it connects to your uh, NFT collection, the relics of the mortal past. My first impression of Bill Ellis. How do you think how much you growing up in Greece 
affected your uh, style, your interests, and uh, how much th- did that inspire you for your creations? Yeah, I mean, it's fine growing up in Greece because I was always mixed because my mom's English, my dad's Greek, and I'm finding the Scottish side of my heritage because my English, well, my mom's dad was Scottish, so now I live in Scotland and I'm researching that. But growing up in Greece is statues are everywhere, religion is everywhere, history is everywhere. Like at school, everything you get taught is the history of ancient Greece. It's almost to a point where I felt it was disadvantaged to the history of modern Greece because there was so much emphasis on the ancients where it's been, well, thousands of years since the ancients. And I'd like to think that there's more, like, history evolves and there could be more emphasis on, like, modern Greece and more not trying to live so much on the past. But right. I think all that has affected my work starting off. It started off with graffiti, but through maturing myself as a creative and a person, I remembered what inspired me to create art in the first place. And although you see it everywhere, it becomes just the normal aspect of life. When you move, because I moved to England when I was 18, mm-hmm. when you remove all that from your day viewport, you almost start to forget and reminisce. And that's what always inspired me. And I'm not religious anymore, but my whole life, that's what I got taught. And mm-hmm. that wasn't from my parents. That was just Greek society and religion and how everything is so intertwined in life, how everything goes like certain holidays and uh, behaviors and dogmas and people's beliefs is everything is this Orthodox church or ancient Greece. And right. I love the artwork as well and the art form. And I think that's sort of, that's um, distilled down into what I do now. I've taken elements from Orthodox and and a bit of Catholic paintings. And it's just that nature of making your subject a deity. So like your subject feels Mm -hmm. godly. I think that's what I've taken from it with the decoration and the ornamentals. And it's it's almost like a portrait photography done in a painting because Orthodox paintings don't have a lot of detail. They're not like the Renaissance is mm-hmm. like all about the symbol. So when right. Jesus is there or Mary is there or St. Peter is about the subject with a little bit of detail, some fabrics and some ornamentals around. So right. it's all about the subject. That's why everything I do is framed in that sense. Right. Actually, it, this is very interesting because I also got this impression when I first saw your works, I thought, okay, well, this has a very heavy iconographic um background right because the way how you frame your subjects and the way how they appear it almost feels like it's an icon to a certain yeah, degree I think, well what i like to do different to not the standard 3d work but i try to stay away from showing that i'm so 3d i want my mm-hmm. work to sort of transcend mediums and whether that mm-hmm. is from realism of lighting or mm-hmm. the texture of the finish or the depth of field as you get in photography yeah. or the 3D sculptural nature of it. I want all that to be blended together so it doesn't matter what medium it is, it's right. about the artwork. So right. it's uh, my, like my whole career I've sort of struggled a bit with how to define it. Is it illustration? Mm-hmm. Is it digital art? Is it 3D mm-hmm. sculpture? Is it 3D art? Like what is it? And I just feel like it's just in one digital art just as one thing. Coming from Greece, starting your studies in the UK, how do you think, what were the cornerstone moments of your creative career? 
overall, if you think like, okay, these are the key moments that impacted me and shaped me the way I am today. I think one of the main things that shaped me was the realization that I spent so many thousands at university and I'm not really learning anything I can do. Like I can't code for shit. I can't do technical chip stuff they were doing or Arduino stuff. I couldn't do any of that stuff. And I just found Deviant, well, this was before even DeviantArt. So these were like forums where people like Justin Moller and Depthcore and Pete Harrison and Boss Logic mm -hmm. were there. And these were just people all around the world just playing around with digital art and stuff and just coming together as a small community and entering competitions inside the communities and just doing mm -hmm. art for the sake of it. And that's how I started learning Photoshop. And that eventually led to Blender and 3D and it was almost like an addiction. So I think the university taught me how no one's going to really teach you what you want to be doing in your life. But right. through university, I learned mm -hmm. the beauty of concept, story, and attraction, mm -hmm. and how you put a story to the art that you create. And I also learned that no one, nothing's going to be given to me. Right. I need to work for it, and right. I need to make my own way. Right. So that was that. And then the second stage was, I guess, working agencies and being an art director mm -hmm. and working on commercials mm -hmm. and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And the realization of that is not my voice anymore is mm -hmm. I'm just creating, I'm just working for someone else's vision. I'm someone else's right. pencil right. where I want to be known for my artwork, get commissioned for my artwork, sell my artwork without being told what to do. It's right. it, like no one goes to a, a painter or, it's like the commission side is like blurring the lines of design and art because right. design solves a problem but mm -hmm. art raises a question right. so I think that was the key realizations in well, over 10 years now mm -hmm. and the other thing is that shit takes time like I've been doing this for over 10 years now right and it just it really takes time nothing happens overnight transition between uh, working for somebody else and then working for yourself. Uh, how do you think, uh, how do you think what was the major insight uh, that helped you make that transition? Well, I was always working for myself on the side without mm -hmm. people knowing. I was always doing the artwork that I want, I liked. So mm -hmm. like social media at the time, that's that what's absurd. We were creating artwork just for social media. Like no mm -hmm. one was buying stuff. Right. But we were creating artwork, same as people. Mm -hmm. And so many other artists, like Fuck Render, that's how we all started around the same time. Right. And Boss Logic was the same. We're just creating artwork because we loved it. Right. Um, and trying to juggle that with a daytime job. But mm -hmm. I think the key thing that I learned was save some, make some connections. Because mm -hmm. like going cold turkey, well, I went, I handed in my notice. And technically I went cold turkey that I just quit after a month. But I had mm -hmm. connections before and I had some money saved up. And the other thing as well is like, if mm -hmm. life is too comfortable, yeah. you don't evolve. Right. Like if shit is too easy, there's right. no need for a challenge to, to just, to trying to find yourself and what to do. And this is not about the starving artist narrative. Yes. It's about, well, if shit is too easy, then you're not fighting for it. And right. I think the magic right. happens when artists fight for what they want. The diamond is born under the pressure, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, would you say that uh, working in the ad agencies helped you also with network? 
Uh, or would you say that your first larger clients came from your independent work? For example, working with Red Bull and Formula One. Yeah. Did that come from uh, ad agency world or from your personal no, that, that, that came from DeviantArt, I think. But this was a long time ago. And that's one of the first times I fucked up. I failed. I was, the artwork was fine mm -hmm. and everything was approved and great. But I didn't know the nature of business and how you don't go and spend mm -hmm. all your money because... Mm -hmm. I thought that this is it now. We're set for life right. every week, every month. It's going to be around the clients right. and didn't get shit for eight months. Right. So and then I've got, I haven't got money to pay my tax bills. And then I've got tax people hounding me and then I just can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And then I got an agency job. So all my money had to go into relocating. So then I had right. this crazy debt with the tax people. I think that's one thing you learn. And mm -hmm. the other thing well, I learned a lot from agencies after Mm -hmm. this whole debacle that we sorted the taxes out and all that stuff. Yeah. But again, through the struggle, we learn. Right. Like owing money is one of the worst things. But with agency life, I think my clients came not because of my agency connections. They came mm -hmm. to me because of the style I was creating and what I was building over the years. Yeah, the audience helps because that means more people see you. And mm -hmm. my agent is amazing, Nerve Productions. They're very helpful. Mm -hmm. But 90%, 99% of the time, mm -hmm. all the clients will I'll get the email directly and then I will send it to my agent to right. liaise and stuff. So I guess yeah. that's a that's a comfort and luxury that I have now. Right, right. Because my work has been published in all over the internet and stuff. Right, right. Um, Yeah, I think what, what, what I learned the best out of agencies, mm -hmm. though, was fin finances, controlling mm -hmm. clients, and mm -hmm. the nature of the business. So, mm -hmm. and the, the thought, because when agencies make a lot of money. Right, right. And the staff of agencies never really find out. Mm -hmm. So when you're paying, you're only getting a salary, and then you're doing 90% of the work, but then the creative director is taking 95% of the commission, There's something's not fair there. So, That's insane. And you, you, yeah, you learn how to liaise with clients and how to negotiate budgets and how to be true to your worth. So if a client right. comes when the budget is not enough for the work they want yeah. or what you're creating is you need to be in a position to just say no and fight for what you think is worth. Do you remember uh, how big was your following at the time when you landed your first big project? Uh, or were you actively working on your uh, Instagram or portfolio? Like what, what channel was the client coming from? All of them. That's the thing is I've, I've, I've done everything. I've done Facebook, DeviantArt, Instagram, Twitter, Dribbble, Behance. Everyone, everything possible, I was doing it. And mm -hmm. I think one of the clever things and also lucky things I did was when a new platform was coming out, I was on it. So like when Pinterest right. came out, I was on Pinterest. And now I've got over 2 million views a month. But the thing is the same with how people see now with TikTok. I mean, I'm yes. trying to do TikTok, but I think, A, I'm a bit too old for it. And it just, it's just this, with so many platforms now, it's just mm -hmm. hard to do TikTok. And I'm, I still share my artwork on TikTok. Yes. But I just don't have the time to do all the yeah. extra stuff, which is like me as a person. Right. Because then we've got all the other accounts to handle. And I've, right. I've got a system as well helping out in right. our discords and stuff. But I think... Right. Yeah, work came from everywhere, right. uh, but the, most of it now comes from the website because right. I've got this rule, if you DM me, um, it's, it's not professional. Right. I don't care how big someone is, yes. if they DM, 
just like, yo, bro, I want this artwork kind of for a cover. Yeah. It's not professional at all, but like yes. people need to take the time to email and see yes. the work and not just yes. quick DM. Right, right, right. So you prefer doing business uh, over the email? Yeah, because I think there's a there's a nature of a of a record there. It's just more mm -hmm. professional because there's no pressure. Mm -hmm. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of things that happen with price negotiations and feedback because right. everything goes right. through an agent. Right. Well, if it's on a DM and then you get feedback and you've seen it and then yeah. your client thinks, why are you ignoring me? <laughs> Right, and you have a hundred other things happening at the same time. Basically. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think DMs are a professional way of doing um, client work. Right. Uh, speaking of your uh, projects, right, your your commission projects, uh, John Wick, uh, Diablo franchise, Mortal Kombat, or working with Ozzy Osbourne. If you think of this huge, big projects that you've done over the course of last years, which one stands out? most to you and what do you think was the most insightful project for you in terms of learning and growing as a creative i think john wick in terms of learning my worth and my value because john mm -hmm. wick i was working on it for three months and i specifically told my agent i'm not ready to show anything yet right even sketches and stuff because i wanted to impress them with the final piece that i thought was final Because mm -hmm. John Wick didn't start off as the official artwork for mm -hmm. the IMAX. It started off as a five artists around the world do their interpretation. But mm -hmm. I took it on myself. I wanted it. I wanted my artwork to become a poster. I wanted it to become yes. the official artwork. Yes. So then I just went and worked my ass off. And then I showed it to my mm -hmm. agent. And I'm like, now we can show it. Right. And then they just saw it. And then the executive producer from Lionsgate saw it and then just came back and we want to use it for IMAX and Netflix and loads of other promotions. So right. I think from that, I learned that you don't have to show the client every single stage right. because then like, it's my reputation on the line. So mm -hmm. if I love the artwork, then it'll be a lot easier for the client to get impressed by the final result because right. artists are our own worst critics. Yes. So that's what I learned from John Wick. And then, mm -hmm. Blizzard and Diablo, I learned a lot about how it's important to take a company's heritage and history and like fan love for the Wanderer from Diablo 2, but also mm -hmm, mm -hmm. being able to manage and balance your own creative needs and how you yeah. put your own voice to it. Yeah. And that key visual was half a year in the works because... Mm -hmm. There's so many back and forths and stuff, but I think I learned a lot of patience because the, the Blizzard team are incredible, but obviously mm -hmm. we have to be very careful about what, because this is an artwork that was done over 12 years ago. So to right. Re, right. Re, give it, re give it a rebirth and revive it into yeah. a whole new style right. was a big challenge for them. So I'm really mm -hmm. happy how it came out. So that was great to learn. So is that uh, that you need to kind of establish a certain level of trust with the client so they can let you do your work, basically? What I've learned is if you, if a client treats you like a pencil, well, they might as well let them do it themselves. Like, you don't go to a restaurant and tell the chef how to cook your food. Right. You know? It's like even an architect, you give them a brief, but then it's yes. the architect's magic and the chef's magic and the artist's magic. Because right. otherwise, everyone would do it. Like, right. why the why the fuck are you hiring us right. if you're gonna babysit the whole project? Like, <laughs> right. The whole point is right. let the artist do their thing. 
I think I, I relate to that and I respect that a lot. And I think that uh, it also, in a way, it's a job of the creative to deliver the best work of art, which also yes. is their brand. And it's also their um, kind of uh, representation of who they are. Yeah. And I guess the, 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 the balance is as well, because design to art is very different. So mm -hmm. when you're getting an artist, they're going to do what they do. But like a designer is more broad and a designer will need, I guess, more guidance and stuff. And there's more parameters to play with. But as artists, it's, that's what they do. So trying to deviate them from what they do just right. seems stupid in my opinion. And it's not going to become, it's not going to have a good result. Right, right. And then you also have uh, projects in the music world, right? So uh, can you remember what was your first and what was your... Uh, most impactful project in the music i mean when i worked agency i did a lot of music stuff mm -hmm. like a lot of music stuff i even did a kylie minogue christmas pitch wow and all sorts of stuff but like, that is all hidden that's never yes. to come out to the right. public eye right. this was like over eight years ago right i think my most impactful musical relationship has to be with apache because mm -hmm. we i don't know i can't remember how we started talking it was years ago mm -hmm. but he really respected the artwork I was doing. I just really liked his vibe and his style mm -hmm. of music because it's, it's almost like dubstep BDM renaissance. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. like, it's a balance of everything and I really like it. Yeah. And what I liked about Apache was he was just, just do your thing, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, here's the track, here's the album, like have a listen, but just, I want to see what you come up with. Right. And then that's how we've worked throughout the years. And like every time, there's a new album like i'll be doing the artwork and it just comes mm -hmm. to me brings me the album i have a listen and then i go around play off for like a month and a bit and then show him ideas mm. and then that's it like the, the most feedback i've ever had was maybe change the color of this material a bit nice. or maybe we go a bit more dark snow. nice so it's a very respectful collaboration mm -hmm. every time mm -hmm. we work together and like mm -hmm. ozzy was amazing yeah and I've got it signed uh, in the other studio mm -hmm. and framed. And that was a big moment because I saw the artwork at Download mm -hmm. Music Festival yeah. while Ozzy was getting ready to come on stage. All right. So, so it, it was at the festival. It was displayed at the yeah, festival. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was for a magazine, but it was also used at the Download Festival. Do you remember which year Ozzy was it? And Ozzy comes out with it. Say again? Uh, which year was it? Do you remember? 2018, I think. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, because it didn't happen last year because of COVID. Yeah, yes. This year they're doing the pilot. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. 2018. Yeah, and it comes mm -hmm. out this giant cross on stage and it was mm -hmm. with crazy wings behind this cross. It was wicked. So, yeah, I think those mm -hmm. two projects. That, that's amazing. And basically all this happened thanks to your uh, internal monologue, maybe, or your dialogue with yourself, thinking that you need to get started seriously with your own thing, right? And so... Yeah. The first, the first project that kind of introduced you to the world was the 50s Call project. Yeah, it, as Bilalis as I'm known now. Yes, yes. Do you remember how you came uh, with the concept of, of this project? The, the original, I mean, before that, there's work exists sporadically mm -hmm. across mm -hmm. platforms, mm -hmm. similar with the mediums of decoration of death and stuff, because there was pieces before that. Mm -hmm. But those were a bit sparse and I hadn't connected the dots yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, 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 the first Skull project, uh, it just, it came to me by accident almost. It was, the first few thoughts was 
just playing around. I was trying to create a material library in 3D. Mm -hmm. And I was just playing around. And instead of using your classic sphere, I decided to pick a skull. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I liked what I was seeing, but mm-hmm. I thought I could go so much further and put give this these tests a story. Mm-hmm. And then it almost became an addiction. I wanted to do a hundred at first, mm-hmm. but due to commitments of uh, work in the daytime, mm-hmm. I ended up with fifty. But I wanted to so immortalize patterns and motifs mm-hmm. that inspired humanity throughout the years. That's why there's mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. from like. Catholic to Baroque to Aztec to 8-bit video game Pac-Man stuff and asteroids, like everything yep. on it. Yes. And done as a complete collection. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I hope one day to make a hundred and I could revisit it because that's how a lot of things started. Cause that eventually mm-hmm. led to like Behance front page cover and yeah. feature to that, yeah. which led to art galleries contacting me yes. to do print editions and silk screens. Yes. So that was kicked off. Mm-hmm. Kicked off the thought that I could be doing this yes. without having to work in a studio. That I can do be right. doing what I want to be doing. Right. So I think that was that's why I've got downstairs. I've got the first ever mm-hmm. uh, proof from that collection uh, framed, and yeah, that's yeah. It's probably only one of them exists, and it's downstairs. Right. 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 So basically, uh, putting the best work of yours. Uh, at that stage, giving the chance to the audience or to the market to accept it, right? Or to be become the judge. I, I even think at the time is I wasn't, I didn't, I had no clue what the fuck I was doing. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with a lot of artists in the space now. Back then, we had no clue what we were doing, but we were doing it because we loved what we, what we create. We just loved being creative within. Just, it, it's almost like, it's not a secret club, mm-hmm. but like, you know how people get obsessed with football or yeah. how people yeah. get obsessed with MMA and mm-hmm. uh, skateboarding and all these right. things. We're the same with the art that we create in all these communities. And I think right, right. that hunger and constantly creating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is what leads the journey. That's why I say shit takes time and right. I don't have any golden rules. I know stuff mm-hmm. now through experience, mm-hmm. but then I didn't know like anything. So it's yeah. through as career goes on and how... Mm-hmm your various stuff becomes successful, then you know mm-hmm. what works and how to move on. But even now, like NFT wasn't a thing last year. Yeah, exactly. But like my business as an artist, I was still creating artwork nonstop. Yes. Whether I had client stuff or for me, I was just nonstop mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. NFTs come in, but I haven't stopped creating artwork. I'm still creating yes. artwork every single day. Yes. Because that's, that's just what I do. Right, right. And uh, this is very interesting because I think in your previous interviews, you mentioned this, that um, you have to learn how to diversify your income sources and how yeah. to be uh, able to run uh, even if some of those sources uh, evaporate, right? Business ethic is right. you can't, you don't see investors investing everything in one, yeah. one IPO. Is You need to you need to diversify and as artists as well is like, I'm really grateful for the NFT space and I'm mm-hmm. so honored that now mm-hmm. digital mm-hmm. art has a space to be sold in the medium that is meant to be sold in exactly without having to fake or like not fake but do derivatives or like clothing or all these things yes because there's no other means to sell the art so mm-hmm. now you can just sell the art as it's meant to be sold but right right that doesn't mean that 
I'm not going to be doing prints and I'm not going to be mm-hmm. doing books and right. other elements of my art form because mm-hmm. not everyone is going to buy NFT and not everyone's yes. going to buy physicals. Like, right. it's I want, uh, as an because I, I came to this position that I'm in now mm-hmm. through the support of the digital art space, but also through the support of traditional media collectors yeah. Yeah. and fans. So yeah. it's my, it's almost my duty to. Mm-hmm keep doing it for the collectors that invested in me in all aspects of my growth as an artist, whether it's digital or physical. Yes. I think it's a, it needs to be a a balanced relationship of Mm -hmm. all the mediums. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you would still make physical work, digital art. You would create NFTs. You would make book covers. All the, all the, Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not really, I've really slowed on client stuff Mm -hmm. because I've got the luxury that I can now. Yes. And I'm just focusing on what I do as an artist. Right. right. So there's a few collaborations still happening because mm-hmm. I'm still working with Blizzard yes. for some Diablo stuff. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there is something else coming in the NFT space, which I can't share info yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, besides that, I'm, I've now got the, the financial support through the NFT success to mm-hmm. materialize artistic dreams that I had. Yes. For example, I've got a book coming out, mm-hmm. which is still developing. This is not the memorial reward. This is happening yes, anyway. Yes, yes. The memorial is for collectors alone, but uh, there mm-hmm. will be my first published art book. Yeah. That will be coming by Thames and Hudson. So that's been yes. over a year in the works now, and we're yes. still working on it. Yes. So there's so many doors I've opened now, and right. I can invest stuff back into what I do as an artist. Right. And increase my output. Right. I remember in the previous uh, interviews, you mentioned that uh, it, it was like a point of epiphany for you also that you discovered the NFT space. Um, if you would, uh, so let's, let's imagine we're talking to creatives, artists who are uh, conventionally or conservatively following the old ways, right? And who are yeah. maybe not very familiar with the NFT uh, revolution. Let's put it this way. How would you... Uh, describe the nft space to um, an artist who is old school today in from your perspective from your, from your experience yeah i mean f- from my experience it's i've learned a lot and it's only been what like six to eight months now it mm-hmm. feel it feels a bit like years mm-hmm. uh, for all the success there's up and downs because mm-hmm. the the thing with nfts is tied not tied but it resembles the crypto world a bit as right, well and the investment right. world. Right. So we have the crazy highs, we have the lows, mm-hmm. like th- th- things feel more stable now. Yeah. But I think we live in a digital era. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I don't understand people that are so opposed the thought of digital having value mm-hmm. when people mm-hmm. will spend tens of dollars on like, Fortnite skins yeah. people will buy shit skins from machine guns in cod right. or like so many things but then the thought of digital art as a medium mm-hmm. is not that doesn't feel tangible to them i think it's absurd because right. they're like well I, it's not physical it's not right. on my wall i'm like well it's on your phone it's right. on your screen it can right. be on your wall it could be we spend so much time in our life on devices yes it, the, the ownership of digital art i think mm-hmm. is incredible mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's so many amazing artists in the space yes and that have been well we've all been in hiding for over 20 years because no mm-hmm. one said that our art had value right. we're always working for someone else we're now right. Right. we can work for ourselves so i think right. 
there's a lot of power in diversifying artists' mm -hmm. portfolios. Mm -hmm. And the prime example is Trevor Jones. He's a yeah. he's a traditional painter. But with the NFT space as well, he creates animated pieces or like digital versions of his pieces. Mm -hmm. Daniel Arsham is another great example because Daniel Arsham has always done stuff physically, mm -hmm. but then he's done books and stuff. And it just makes sense that he will do stuff digitally as well because a lot of his processes involve molds and 3D scanning. And there's always drama with something new. Right. And as soon as money is tied in. Yeah. But I think it's, it's amazing for artists Mm -hmm. Because you, we're seeing so many people do different things. Like even Henry, Henry Carr, I believe he's called, he's a painter from the mm -hmm. Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And he uses the NFT space as well, but he's a right. traditional painter. Right. But then he will do videos of him burning paintings or like right. um, putting paint on canvas and creating right. abstractions. Right, and right. So much content that can be done in the NFT space. Exactly. So if we try to boil down the idea of NFT, right, this non-fungible token, is basically we're talking about a digital form of the ownership certificate, right, that yes. pro proves the ownership of you as an author. And also it provides, it sits on the blockchain, right, and it provides you an opportunity to track the history of your yeah. art artwork on the marketplace. And the authenticity and... Yeah the transactions and the fact that royalties can be given to all the artists at all points that's is right. something that hasn't been done before that doesn't that's happen right. in the traditional art world that's unless right. the artist is very very big and mm -hmm. yeah it's i just think it's it's been a long time coming mm -hmm. but i almost sort of lost hope before i was mm -hmm. approached that yeah i would always have to create derivatives because the artwork mm -hmm. wouldn't, wouldn't get accepted as it gets accepted now Right. So for many digital artists, NFT space is like a blessing in disguise these days. It is a, a blessing in disguise, but it's also a curse. It's, mm -hmm. there's, there's so many things to look out for. Is mm -hmm. There's a lot of amazing collectors, there's a lot of amazing people in the space yes. that are here because they love, they believe in it, they believe in mm -hmm. FTs, they mm -hmm. believe in the mm -hmm. digital art world. There's a lot of speculators, there's a lot of flippers, there's a lot right. of people just coming in for the whole, for the wrong reasons. Right, right. And the same with everything is people because we live in this society where digital social media is so fast mm -hmm. and this instant gratification mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. and i know it might seem that i'm not hypocritical because i've had success in the fc space yeah but this is now i haven't i didn't start making art now i've been yeah. doing it here for over 10 years now yes so people need to have a bit of patience as well and yeah it's it's amazing because you can put your artwork on Hen or like Foundation or Makerspace, I believe. And there's so many platforms that you don't have to be invited in. Yeah. You can create your own community mm -hmm. and space and monetize your artwork. Right. But yeah, with, with everything, it takes time though. And right. not all art will sell. And if it exactly. hasn't sold, it doesn't mean your art is bad or you're not a good creative. It just means the right collector hasn't found it yet. Because yeah. we need to remember... That's a very new space. Would you agree that the interest towards the NFT space exploded after Beeple sold his uh, everydays for 69 million? On, yeah, because on, on art is theater and art is drama and headlines mm -hmm. do that. And mm -hmm. But we're now having Sotheby's and Christie's supporting mm -hmm. NFTs a lot wider and mm -hmm. doing collections like Sotheby's just did, which mm -hmm. had some big names like Mad Dog and Pack and Fuck Render. But also had other artists that I didn't know of, 
mm-hmm. but they were part of their collection as a digitally native collection. So I think the eyes are opening up of the traditional art world yes. to the power of NFT, whether they're opening up because they believe in NFT mm-hmm. or they're opening up simply because they see money. Right. But at the end of the day, it still shows that there is interest in digital mm-hmm. art now, yes. a lot more than it used to be before. And away from all the headlines and all yes. the crazy antics that happen, because they happen in the traditional art world with so yes. many big artists, because yes. that's what the art world is. Exactly. I think the substance of it is it trickle, trickles down to the fact that digital art has value, right. and people are starting to right. see that. Uh, you cover, you touched a little bit on your uh, upcoming project, right? The book. Uh, I've I've joined your Discord channel, and I actually want Thank to ask you. you also about the Discord. And I just uh, was really impressed by the level of detail that you have so many threads you know, on all, all sorts of topics and you are extremely productive and active on there, answering everybody's question. And that, that's yeah. like, impressive. It's just, I try, I try my best, but I need to find some work and life balance a bit more. <laughs> so I'll be slowing down a bit over the next 10 days because we're away. Yeah. But I've got a good team behind me with Goku and uh, Wad that help moderate. Goku is the real master designer behind it. I just yeah. gave ideas and yeah. I just did a very rough. And then yes. Goku did the crazy right. botting and coding and everything. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's as well, it's part of communities. I can't mm-hmm. track every DM everywhere. Yeah. So having a Discord where we can centralize the news a bit and we can yes. create a community and share more information, I think it helps. Right. And it, but it's part of social media as well. It's got to be everywhere. Right. Right, right. So basically getting closer to the community, right? And uh, being more personable, uh, talking to your fans. And actually this interview is happening because of the Discord. Yeah, yeah. Because because we connected on Discord. You touched on uh, your project with the book that is coming. Uh, So again, from Discord, I know it's going to be around 300 pages. It's going to be quite huge. Uh, Minimum. Minimum, minimum. Yeah, so far is... It's it's taking a lot of time because there's so much artwork to pick. Right. I'm currently on 170 artworks, and I haven't even gone through my older machines. Right. So, and then once that process is done, then start the interviews and the ghostwriters mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to share too much. Right. Right. But it's not it's not purely an art book. There's a lot right. more. Right. Information in there. And mm-hmm. it's almost like it's almost like a book about who I am as an artist and what mm-hmm. I create, but mm-hmm. also the history of the right. inspirations that have made me who I am today. Right. right. So there's there'll be historical notes in there right. and source material and all sorts of stuff. Wow. So in a way, it's like a Bill Ellis testament to the art world and uh, to to manifestation of who he is as an art as an artist. Well, be, yeah, I like that description. I like I hope people like it, but we yeah mm-hmm. we're we're a little while away. But I think mm-hmm. I'll when I hear more because they will have to go on a pre-order and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're hoping that it will go to market uh, early next year. So following uh, Bill Ellis on all socials and checking on this information for those who yeah, want I'm to get sure, I'm sure I'll be posting about it everywhere so everyone will see it. Uh, what are the maybe five major personal characteristics that stand out to you that you can say? characterize a successful creative in this space or what help what personal qualities help people to really reach their fullest potential in the digital art world Uh, i think the first one is hunger as in i know it's a cliche but Mm -hmm. you can't have to work your ass off 
there's always the importance of life and personal mm -hmm. life balance. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to lie, I've I've worked ridiculous hours and yeah. or years on this, and a lot of it takes time. And so I think that's very important: patience, uh, collaboration, and connection. Because mm -hmm. I've collaborated with some amazing artists, I've spoken to amazing artists, and the sense of community that exists mm -hmm. is very important. As I've learned as well, the importance of not having enemies and trying not to cause drama, because mm -hmm. a lot can be resulted in a private manner. Right. Is I know drama does headlines, but it doesn't mm -hmm. help a lot. And mm -hmm. it might mm -hmm. seem fun for engagement now, but in the future. Mm -hmm. You don't know who's going to remember and it might right. come back and bite you. Right. Um, I think, yeah, I said about patience. And mm -hmm. the thing as well is a lot of people fail mm -hmm. and it does happen. And it's upsetting, but this is how a creative world is. Mm -hmm. It's got to keep going. Like I said it before, shit takes time. It's got to keep going. Is mm -hmm. I'm successful now, but mm -hmm. I've failed in the past many of times. Mm -hmm. And, that's how you learn from failing. And mm -hmm. I guess the final thing as well is see it a bit like business is I think artists as well need, we're so engrossed by our work that we always mm -hmm. forget to see what other people might see and buy. I'm not saying change your style for other people, but mm -hmm. think a little bit in the broader sense mm -hmm. of what might appeal to a few more people and when you're creating your, artwork and your mediums for monetization yeah when you're fully creating artwork for the statement of yourself do mm -hmm. whatever the fuck you want right. but as well as i think arsham is a very great example of how mm -hmm. he balances mm -hmm. his own vision and his art mm -hmm. with the commercial side of art mm -hmm. right so staying true to yourself but also uh, making sure you you have, have some market market not research but i just Mm -hmm. A little sense of the market and what is happening at each time. Right. Imagine, like, let's say a young artist today, right? What would yeah. be your recommendation for that person? Where should they start? Your artwork, nonstop, and just get it out there. And mm -hmm. get your artwork out there because you love the artwork. Don't try to force the artwork out there purely from a financial state. It's a balance of the two. Is mm -hmm. like That's why everything I make, not everything I make is for sale. It's right. a fine balance of what makes you happy because if everything you balance your success by is is uh, profit from your right. artwork yeah. and things don't sell, then mm -hmm. it's going to be soul crushing. Right. So learn the balance of what to sell and what to create to please yourself and keep your mind healthy. At the end of the show, uh, I give a chance to the guest to ask the question of the show. Yeah. Uh, if you can imagine all the artists in Europe, in North Europe, in Central Europe, in the USA, young artists, coming up artists, uh, what would you like uh, to ask them? Where do you see your artwork in this space? Well, like, what is your message and why you should stand out? Love it. We're looking forward to see all the replies in the comment section under this video. Bill, it's a huge honor and pleasure uh, talking to you. Uh, thank you for your time. And I'm wishing you uh, best of luck with your projects, current and upcoming mm -hmm. ones. Can't wait to hear more about the book when it's coming and inspiration for all the un undertakings that are in, tr thank in front of you. Thank you very much. You too. And thank you for this interview. It's been loads of fun.
That's it for today's episode. Thank you for watching. If you got any value from this episode, make sure to smash that like button and subscribe to the channel. I'm Olex for the ALM Studios. Till next time, stay strong and don't forget to keep it rock and roll.